You're listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. The interview subject I have coming up for you, and I never thought I'd say this, but here I go. It's Michael Schenker. Now I'm a lifelong fan of hard rock and heavy metal and let me tell you, there's no more important a figure in guitar playing to hard rock and heavy metal than Michael Schenker and you'll hear that through the conversation. The purpose of the chat, though, is to promote his brand new album for 2019. It's called Revelation. We don't actually talk about that, though. I'll let you know that now. But if you can seek it out on iTunes or YouTube and all of the places that music is streamed, do check it out because it's a sterling affair. Of course, it includes some of the greatest vocalists that he's working with, such as Graham Bonnet and the excellent Robin McCauley. But without further delay, here he is. Michael Schenker. Michael, it's Andy McKay-Smith calling for our chat. How are you going? Hi, I'm doing good. And how are you? I'm very good. And, and I've got to tell you, mate, I've been looking forward to this chat for quite some time. Uh, it's a real thrill and a privilege to finally talk to the great Michael Schenker. I mean, it's, it, it honestly truly is. I know you probably hear this a lot, but I was so excited to get an opportunity to chat to you. Oh, thank you so much. You know, the first thing I want to do and I'll kick off now. The first thing I want to do is acknowledge how important you have been in the timeline of rock and heavy metal. So again, I'm sure you've heard this all before, but let me go through it. You're the link between Richie Blackmore, then Iron Maiden and Metallica. Now, Michael, I hope you work with me here when I say this, but if you hadn't been a guitarist, then heavy metal, I'm talking about rock and heavy metal, wouldn't sound the way it does today if you hadn't picked up the guitar. That said, even in your own right, you've carved an extraordinary legacy as a guitarist in any genre. So you're alongside the great Alan Holdsworth, Richie Blackmore, Tony Iommi, Jimmy Page, and of course the master, Jimi Hendrix, as one of the all-time great guitar innovators. So I've laid this on you, mate, so I'm going to invite you to comment now. Well, you know, the thing is, I started as a... And the first part of my life, I started like a kid in a sandbox, you know. I was just, mm. you know, having fun. I was just, I didn't expect anything. I didn't compete with anybody. I didn't look for anything. I didn't expect anything. I didn't look for fame. I didn't look for success. Nothing. I was just playing my guitar like a kid in a sandbox, playing, you know, having mm. fun. And uh, one day, um, by the time... You know, we got to uh, Strangers in the Night. People were, more and more people were saying, Michael Schenker is God. And I said, what? <laughs> you know, it's, it's like out, I, I, you know, I, I had no clue what I created there. And then Rudolf was calling me up in the yeah. early 80s. Hey, Michael, they're all playing your guitar style over here in the States. Unbelievable. I said, what? You know, <laughs> <And> so <laughs> for me, for, you know, for somebody who did not focus to expect anything or to end up anywhere, mm. I, I never, I never, and, and when I received my first award, I, I was blown away. I, I never thought I would be getting anything anytime, you know, but I learned everything. I found out about everything much, much later in life because, you know, after Strangers in the Night and after I helped with Scorpions with the Love Tribe album, mm -hmm. Ordinary Doors for America for them, I had uh, experienced enough fame um, and, and I, was I, was, I was grateful that I 
experienced it so early in life so that I was able to make a decision between staying in the line of fame or, or you know, kind of um, focus on my, uh, you know, like focus on being an artist that thinks that I needed to get, by the time I finished with the Strangers in the Night, my first chapter was, was basically done. But my first part of development of as a guitarist and uh, being in that particular kind of a scene that was that was done, you know, and 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 then I wanted to I wanted to carry on, you know. I wrote I wrote uh, Lights Out, um, which became the first hit in the, in the United States of America when I was 21 in 1976, and I ran away because I thought, shit, now it's going to be all pressure. I have to write hits. I have to do this. I have to do that. Hmm. You know, all of a sudden I felt like uh, the fun was over. And but I carried on until Strangers in the Night, and then and then I wanted to chop out. I wanted to find an unknown singer and just have fun. And uh, I was, you know, bubbling with creativity so much. I I just wanted to experiment with music, getting things out of my system, and uh, and 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 just focus on life itself. You know, I was what I did in the first part of my life. I, it was completely unconscious. I know I have no clue where what where it came from. You know, mm. I, I I I feel like I almost I didn't do anything for it. I just because I was just having fun. <laughs> it, it, it was like um, unbelievable that later what an impact it had on people. And so in the middle years, I you know I wrote into the arena, and uh, you know also the first song mm -hmm. I ever wrote was in search of peace of mind. Which actually, I'm 15 years old. There is a lead break in that song. There's nothing wrong with that, and I don't know where that cool. came from either. Okay. The rest on the rest on that album, you can hear me developing as a kid, as a guitarist. But that one lead break on "In Search of Peace of Mind," I had no idea. It's so hard to copy because I'm going to be playing it maybe in the in the 20th or the 50th anniversary. It's yeah. kind of amazing. I don't know where it came from, you know. And that I was able to do that, and uh, but the 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 you know uh, what was the point? The point was that uh, you know the middle years were the the um, the most rewarding parts of my life because mm -hmm. I was always very stage fright, and uh, yeah, it yeah. made it very difficult, you know, to to go on stage without a drink. Uh, but even though ever. You know, I, I every musician I know goes goes on stage with a drink before they go babies, on stage. Yeah. You know, but but I really had to, and I I was very shy and very fragile and stuff. And so you know, but the middle years they made me. You know, I have got so that's what I wanted to say. I've got like in search of peace of mind was the very first song I ever wrote. The so Scorpions created themselves for it. You know, they mm. were six and a half years older. I was fifteen. They were already twenty one. So. <laughs> they already took advantage of me then. But, <laughs> you know, I wrote it inside my mom's kitchen. There was nobody else there. That was it, you know. Yep. And that was the first written song. And it got the title In Search of Peace of Mind. I've got two tattoos on my back of my shoulder. One says, Born to Overcome, and the other one says, Born to Be Free. So if you put all three pieces together, you understand where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. So that's why the middle years were very important for me in order to fulfill that um, destiny, you know, and so the little years were, you know, to overcome. And, and mm. Period. You know, I was very thirsty for learning. You know, I 
I did breakthrough programs. I, I, uh, I mean, I, I was in the school of life full time, big time, you know, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it. You know, it was fantastic, you know. And uh, as an as a, as an outcome of that, you know, 2008, something said in me, Michael, I want to be on stage. I went, what? Where is that coming from? <laughs> you know, I realized that the middle years, you know, made yeah. a complete uh, 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 turned me around 180 degrees, you know, and completely formed me, made me understand, starting to understand who I was in the beginning, who I am in the first place, and and you know, and so what I put on hold. You know, what I unconsciously developed mm. in in my in my first part of my life, um, I can now in the third part of my life continue consciously and enjoy it on top because cool. yeah. you know I am not stage fright anymore. I don't need to drink to go on stage, and I can have fun and so much fun and so much more fun than ever before. So, a very peculiar life design, and uh, and so. You know, the, the 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 thing is, that is my, you know, my focus was pure self-expression. And I, 17 years old, I decided not to copy anybody anymore and not to listen to music. So I've been listening, consuming music for over 50, mm. almost 50 years. And so my, my understanding intuitively was, um, you know, that why should I copy something that somebody else is already doing mm. this person is already doing it why should i be doing it so i also realized that every person is is unique so i kind of realized if i do it the way i see it you know which nobody knows what i see unless i release it you know so when i make the choice to reveal some of my insights how i see it I can add new fresh colors to the world. And that's what I did on a daily basis. And as a byproduct, I created my own guitar style. And I think that's what it was Mm. that um, people got so attracted to because some people said later, I found out that they never heard anything like that before, you know? And of course they didn't. No. Yeah, you're right. You're spot on. It was self-expressed, you know? Mm. So every person who makes that choice will add something to the to the world that has never been heard before as long as it done from the within themselves you know of course you can't do it perfect you know but you can do it as good as possible you know mm-hmm. for instance i go to a boutique uh, somewhere in france uh, to try on some clothes and then they play the whole metallica album that's how i discovered the unforgiven beautiful song you know and so you cannot escape those moments but you don't focus on it you don't consume it you don't mm. analyze it you don't go there you know of course it's going to be on in the lobbies and the pubs and, and uh, somewhere but you know i i do a lot of driving i never have the radio on so i don't even have a you know record player or anything i never had i chucked it out when i was 17 18 so the thing is that uh, my passion is pure self-expression and the discovery of if you you know, um, uh, it's it, being an artist, basically, you know, self-expression. Mm. And there is nothing wrong and nothing right. You know, um, U- U- Uli John Ross, he was trying to tell me, you know, it's, um, a while okay. ago, like, uh, you know, Mikey, Michael, no, that's just not right. This is like, the, I said, and then I made up something that was, yeah, I don't know where that came from either. On the spot, I made up a rhyme to him and said, hey, listen, Uli, mu- musically speaking, 
There is nothing right and nothing wrong. Do your thing and stay strong. <laughs> it came out of nowhere. Nice. <laughs> and then I was actually able to translate it into German straight away. There's nichts is nichts is falsch, nichts is richtig. Do to mach dein Ding. Das ist wichtig. And it's unbelievable that it just came out of nowhere on the spot, you know. And nice. So people. People always think, you know, um, in you, if you're an artist, you can't do anything wrong. You know, it's all self-expression. There's nothing wrong. It's just you expressing yourself. How can that be wrong? But <laughs> Michael, a, Michael, let me know. tell you, let me tell you, and this is really important. Okay. And I don't know whether you've got feedback this directly before. Let me, let me give it to you now. If it wasn't for you, there'd be no Metallica. If it wasn't for you, there'd be no Metallica. I rem I'm 41, right? So I've been following Metallica for a long time. Okay, and in terms of you doing your own thing, if you hadn't done your own thing and not listened to anybody else and just decided to create your own groove, there'd be no thrash metal. There'd probably be no metal after 1981 the way it sound sounds now. Let me go a bit deeper and say that. I mean, it's it's it, I, I've, I've read about your travails with... Uh, stage fright and I really felt some deep empathy for you because you're such an extraordinary guitarist that as I say man if it wasn't for you there'd be no Metallica and I think the guys in Metallica acknowledge that I mean I just watched the video on that metal show that's posted to YouTube where you and Kirk Hammett interact and I've seen as I say James Hetfield wear the Michael Schenker group t-shirts back in the day there's old <laughs> photos of him wearing these things man I mean you are you are a crucial cog to the to heavy metal and hard rock without you mate it doesn't happen afterwards so anybody giving you any advice present past or future guess what you're michael schenker you're going to do your own thing <laughs> you know so, you know it, you there, i i have um uh, i i have come to a realization as well at at this age and looking back that, um, you know, because there's two choices you make in life. You're either looking for fame and success and, and, and be, you know, wanting to be part of that whole trend to get a piece of the pie, which means you have to stay and do exactly what everybody else is doing, what is currently successful and makes money, okay? The other one is to just do something and, and, and you might even enjoy it. That's fine. You know, the other way is that, uh, to do what you, what your heart feels you enjoy, regardless if it is going to be, uh, approved by others or not, just do what you enjoy. And just so you can be happy because nobody else is going to make you happy. You know, that's where you get the happiness from, you know. You, it's so, so basically, what you just said, people, I don't know how many people there are that do what I do uh, by, um, um, you know, um, um, creating from within and, and have yeah, that realization exactly. and, stop yeah. and stop copying and adding new colors. But I know one thing. I walked into this rehearsal room. You know, I've made one record. Um, it goes from one riff to another. I, I could have made five albums out of it. That's how much information was on there. I walked into a rehearsal studio. I, 
I heard some of those similar riffs, you know. And so what I'm saying is that I think because I'm very open in interviews, um, I always express that, that um, my freshness and, you know, that, that I, because I write from within, I always, you know, and, and I tap into the, um, the spring of inf infinity, you know, of, of creativity, the endless. And mm. so I never get stuck. You know, I never get writing block either because I'm not following that trend. So what people do is they recycle a trend and they recycle that trend yeah. and they recycle that. And they, they recycle it until there is nothing left and it's dead. Mm -hmm. And what I realized is that I think people help themselves to tap into my uh, creation because there's a 60, 70 albums out there. There's, there's albums out there. People don't even know it exists. There is so much Great, creativity. Yeah. But the hardcore fans and the musicians um, that are aware of me, they know that. And I wouldn't be surprised if some people help themselves and try to, you know, instead of getting, getting stagnant. So what I'm saying is uh, what you said, what you just said, mm. I think one thing, I, like I said, I don't know how many people there are like me doing what I do. But I think um, music would have been more stagnant today uh, because people would have worn out a trend and would not have invented anything new. And, and I think there are musicians out there, they know mm. that I have access to the infinite spring, a well of spring, a spring of uh, creativity. The yeah. 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 They know that. And so I think they always, um, a channel from there and add it to the trend and keep the trend alive. So it doesn't look, um, give, give freshness to a trend, just in, in, in little bit of injections, you know, just a bit at the time. I think, I think that's what I kind of realized, ke a, a, a left, uh, a kept rock music alive longer than it would have if maybe I wouldn't have been there. No, I agree, totally, but the... the... I guess to to refine my point is that rock music and heavy metal was going along on a certain stream, like it was go like if it was a river, it was going along on a certain track, and there was a fork in the road, and you were the fork in the road. So until you came along, it was go ah. going down a certain river, and then when you came yeah, along yeah. and started playing, you ch you changed it. But people don't realize <laughs> that they don't realize how influential yeah. and important you are. Uh I, I see what you mean. You know, yeah. I, I, I think it's kind of funny because, you know, uh, um, um, Mark, Mark, uh, uh, Markus Steiger from the head of nuclear blast in yeah. Germany, yeah. He, he, he was in a, in a trash metal, uh, a trash uh, metal band, you know, and he said I was his instrument. <laughs> I was his influence, you know, yeah. if, if it wasn't for me. I, I, and I kind of, it's, it's pretty incredible that, what kind of music came out of that people who say that they got influenced by me and when i look at what kind of music they make <laughs> it's kind of kind, kind, of, kind of funny but that's yeah. exactly what you just said with a fork you know 
yeah. I kind of opened up other possibilities of going different directions. You did, mate. You you absolutely did, and it's such a privilege to talk to you. Really, um, you know, I, I might be a journalist, but I'm also a fan, and I have to recognise the great master, and that's you. That's you. I mean, there's you and Richie. In terms of people that are alive and that 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 I can talk to, it's yourself and Richie Blackmore, mate. If it wasn't for you two, we wouldn't have heavy metal the way it sounds the way it does today. And that includes, mate, and let me tell you how important you are, okay, so I'm going to go even deeper here. If it wasn't for you, there'd be no death metal. There'd be no black metal, okay? There'd be no metalcore, no deathcore. It wouldn't have evolved the way it sounds like right now. And it's such an important point to make because your guitar playing, when you first came out, it took it up to that next level where it could still remain something that was very unique. It was still very unique. But at the same time, it was melodic. You could hear everything that you were doing, but it was heavy. It was something that, if you weren't into rock music or heavy metal, you probably shied away from. And let me tell you, I can't tell you how many genuinely, like, virtuoso guitarists that I've spoken to who cite you as their primary influence. And one of them was the late, great Ralph Santola. I spoke to him twice. You know, the guitarist from Deicide and Iced Earth. And, man, and these guys themselves influence other people so man i we, we've spoken about it a little bit but you can't you can't labor the point enough in my view that if it wasn't for michael schenker music wouldn't sound the way it does right now because people wouldn't have all of these wonderful artists that have taken what you established as the template yeah i think i think maybe my earphones run out of power all oh, right okay are you right to keep on talking or do you want to do you want to move on to the next interview because i'd love to keep on chatting I, I I didn't know that they only have that much, you know, because the quality with those uh, wireless earphones is really, really good for interviews. And that's why I insist on using them. But I had this happen before. So I'm now on the, uh, on the normal, with my ear on the speaker. I mean, I'm not on the speaker. Oh, on the, on right. The, on yeah, the... I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah I'm, but... I'm charging them now. So, But anyway, carry on. But I, I really hope you caught what I said before, because it's so important. that I want you to understand this, Michael, that if it wasn't for you, extreme metal, heavy metal, death metal, whatever you want to call it, it wouldn't exist if it wasn't for you playing the guitar the way that you do. And I, and I hope you, yeah, I well, hope you've had that feedback. You know, that, this is a pretty interesting, um, 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 what, what do you call it, a realization of yours. Hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, actually, actually letting me in on that. Um, I never actually uh, have gone that far, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> you know. And so you kind of, you kind of, um, you know, you kind of make me uh, realize something that I didn't even go that deep because, you know, I just kind of, um, you know, up to this day, I, I just focus on the now and I just focus on, on, um, you know, a, a treasure hunting, you know, I don't call it play. I mm. don't call my guitar playing um, when I, uh, I don't call it practicing. I call it play and discover like a treasure hunting, you know, you, you enjoy the journey because you know, you're going to find a piece of gold. And then when you find one, you know, you kind of make it put it in a very special place and you collect those pieces. That's what mm. I, that's what I do. And that's how I write my songs and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, the, 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 the thing is, I must say, though, 
that if it wasn't if it wasn't for um, I'm just trying to make a point that I'm just a part of a link. Uh, yeah. If it wasn't if it wasn't for 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 Jeff Beck, Jimmy Page, and Eric oh, yeah. Clapton, and yep. and all the late '60s guitarists, you know, um, you know, I don't know what would have happened, you know, but. But but they play, you know all the great ones in the late sixties you know they inspired me I went I went guitarist hunting you know in the yep. late sixties you know and there was no song for me that I wanted to hear unless there was a solo in it <laughs> so it, it was kind of funny and yeah. you know and so and so Leslie West you know he oh, he, yeah. he played one awesome. of my the most beautiful uh, solos you know I have ever heard. Uh, you know, uh, with with the uh, theme of the imaginary Western, and so uh, nothing wrong with that. You know, timeless. Uh, I just heard it the other day. It's like coincidentally, you know, it's just uh, fantastic. And uh, mm. so basically, those guys, um, how I see it is, they were doing something that you know, Jimi Hendrix was. I was never really that, uh, never in- that interested. I, I was mm-hmm. more into that uh, melodic stuff you know uh, that jeff beck did and and uh, especially okay. jeff beck yeah and and so and so for me it, it was just kind of more that jimmy hendrix i discovered later you know how long the watch tower all i don't know why it took for me so long but all of a sudden i realized how beautiful the, the, the guitar playing was you know and uh, but somehow the other things were pushed to the foreground before and so I, I, I discovered Jimi Hendrix later, but mm-hmm. you know, never really got too deep into it. But I know there's some incredible, remarkable stuff that he did. But you know, the the thing is, we are all links, you know, and we all link each other. And uh, you know, but I just have that one thing that you know. There, there's also a lot of uh, guitarists that you know. Uh, my partner calls them a, a patch. A, 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 what was it called? Patchmaker or, or yeah. Patch, yeah, you link. Uh, you, you know, link you know, like yeah. you like like you, you you just take something from everybody and put it all together and then make it yours. You know, just like patch patch it all together. Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't even know who is doing it and who is doing it not because I don't even know what's out there. So I wouldn't even, I probably would be very impressed if I would be listening to somebody <laughs> who does that. I would probably say, wow, what is this? This is incredible. Because he would be playing all those great guitarists uh, in one person, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It would be very impressive for me. And I wouldn't even know it was just Patch. Mm. Mate, you're, you're a legend. That's all I can say. And it's certainly a privilege to talk to you. Uh, it's just, uh, you, 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 you're, the, you're actually the guitarist that I've had on my bucket list alongside Trey from Morbid Angel to talk to for years. And here we are having this conversation. It's such a privilege to talk to you. And I really hope through this conversation, which has been less of an interview and more of a conversation, I appreciate that. But, you know, I mean, the reality is, man, you, you, you are the reason... Heavy metal is what it is today, and I can't thank you enough for it because globally, man, you've helped. You don't, Michael. Let me tell you, you don't realize, and you can't ever realize because of how many people there are on the planet, how many people you've helped because you're a heavy metal guitarist. Because, man, life is tough at times. You know what I'm saying? Life can be difficult, but through your guitar playing, you have made people's lives infinitely easier. And that's my final point, right there. Because you're you, and you play the guitar the way you do, you have made people's lives worth living in some cases. There you go.
Thank you so much. But I'll tell you one thing. I, I have to give all that credit to my creator, you know, because I, I didn't say when I was when I was going to be born and I'm not going to be the one in charge when I have to leave. So there's something more that meets the eye. Mm. And uh, and and so, you know, the creator of all creations, you know, the credit goes all to the master. But thank you. But thank you for recognizing that you had such a talent, you know, that because, mate, just quickly, I know we've got to go. A lot of people piss their talent away. You didn't. Do you understand what I'm saying? You recognized you had such a superb talent on the guitar from such a young age in a very, I mean, back in the day when you started, mate, it wasn't Germany. It was called West Germany, you know, and people don't realize how difficult it was back then. You know, as I say, I'm in my forties, and I, I get it, man. It was difficult, and you went when you were in Scorpions, and when you made the jump across to UFO, it, none of it was easy. I get that, but you kept on going, and you kept on doing. And I had a chat to Robin, Robin McCauley, about uh, eighteen months ago or so, man, and he was so complimentary about you when you guitar playing, man. You know, you're a legend, and I'm just so grateful that you've done what you do, and it's such a privilege to finally talk to you, brother. Thank you so much. You know, good luck, good luck, and God bless. And I really hope we see you in Australia sometime soon. Thank you very much. Take care. <laughs> Pleasure, mate. Catch ya. Bye. Bye bye. You've been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A List Online, and my name is Andrew Mackay Smith. That interview subject there is the one and only, the great, the most influential guitarist over all of hard rock and heavy metal, basically ever, alongside really. Richie Blackmore and Tony Iommi. That was Michael Schenker. Thank you so much for listening.